All right, welcome everyone to the very first episode of the Lee Schools TV podcast. I'm Adam Wright with Lee Schools TV. Very excited to bring you this new series and our very first guest for our podcast series is the new safety and security director for Lee County School District, Rick Parfit. Rick, thank you so much for agreeing to be our first guest, kind of our guinea pig in this podcast me. series. Uh, yeah, thank you for being here. So obviously you're the safety and security director for the school district, so that'll be the main topic of discussion for this podcast is safety and security. Uh, before we get started, I want to kind of go over your credentials a little bit, your background, so people kind of have an idea, uh, context, and your your experience. So you joined the school district in April yes. of this year, and you came to us from Florida Southwestern State College, where you were the head of public safety and campus police. Yes. Right? for about 11 years yes okay and you have a background in police work you originally from pennsylvania yes and I, you got started at a really young age right i did tell I, us a little bit about that why did you what what made you want to get into police work well i i grew up in a police family so i i'm sure that had an influence even though i had uh brothers that didn't go into it but i i grew up in a police family so I, I lived that and experienced that. It was exciting to me. And um, I, I had the opportunity, because actually because of connections of my dad, that I could I took a job when I was 19 years old. And, and it was at a ski resort community in Pennsylvania. And my dad knew the chief of police there. And I started out as a part-time police officer while I was in college. And I just worked usually uh, one or two days, usually the weekends. And, um, of course, during ski season, that was the busiest time. But um, I, I got my my first experience of policing at a young age. And now you, you have over 40 years experience, I think. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I think, I mean, based on what I know about you and our experiences uh, talking with each other so far, I think the school district made a really good choice in hiring you. So happy to have you here and really happy that you're our first guest. You're also the president of the Florida chapter of the Association of Threat Assessment Professionals, correct? Yes. What does that involve? Um, it's a it's a national organization. It's it's headquartered in Sacramento, and it was founded probably about 28 years ago, and it it came about because uh, the the murder of an actress named Rebecca Schaefer in Los Angeles, and the, the investigators on that case and and the uh, supervising investigator in that case were, were so concerned with their investigation found uh, that this young woman had been a victim of stalking for a long time and the stalker in fact is the one that paid a, a private detective uh, hunted her down and and eventually murdered her in her in her Los Angeles apartment and these folks got together with some other individuals in Los Angeles uh, uh, district attorney and some others and started uh, created this threat assessment and and uh, it's grown quite a bit in since that time and it's evolved into a, a national organization it's uh, has 14 chapters now and matter of fact Florida was is, is the the latest one and we've been in existence for about two years a little over two years and um, it the the nice thing about it is that it it, it recruits and has a number of people um, involved in what we call targeted violence or investigating targeted violence and so it's not just law enforcement that's a big part of it but we have a lot of of uh, mental health corporate security researchers and uh, it, it's evolved into an organization that's evidence based. Uh, there's there's science behind w what's involved here, um, and actually several years ago they they started their uh, a certified threat manager certification, and it took them several years to build this program, and so right now um, there are only about maybe a hundred and fifty of us in the country that are certified as as what they call CTM certified threat managers um, so it's a it's a pretty prestigious um, accomplishment for folks that are involved in that business and um, we 
we started the Florida chapter, like I said, about two and a half years or so ago. And um, we've grown, we've doubled our size. We started out with 30, 30 members and we're up to probably about 60 now. And who are the, the members involved who? The, the, the membership takes over um, a, a wide variety of folks. We have people in higher education. Um, we have individuals in corporate security and, and, and hospital security. We have a, a, a lot of folks in um, the defense contractors, Lockheed Martin. We have Disney, SeaWorld security, uh, a, a number of those folks. Um, we've, we're recruiting and have folks in the travel, uh, the travel industry. Um, law enforcement and um, law enforcement has been a big part of our chapter here in Florida and we actually have a what we call a winter conference here in the last two years it's been in Orlando and we get like I said some of the the, the best people in the country that uh, that are presenting and and uh, part of ATAP. So obviously your resume is very impressive and uh, we're glad to have you at the school district. Now you're in in charge of the safety and security of nearly a hundred thousand students here in Lee County. Pretty tall task. Um, what if you could explain to the people listening what exactly is your responsibility as director of safety and security? Well, it's it's obviously the, the oversight of of the overall safety and security of the, the school district and, and the students. Um, but it, I think it's, it's more than that because it's a, you know, it's a, uh, an approach that, that we have to look at that it's not, I can't protect a hundred thousand students and, and staff, um, and things like that. So it takes, uh, takes the community. So everybody has a role in, in protecting, um, themselves and each other you know, in school and, and, uh, on our properties and, and, in our, on our campuses. And I think that's the message from a safety and security director that we need, that, that that's a big role of mine is, is, uh, making sure these folks are trained, understand, uh, their roles, identifying dangerous, uh, concerning behaviors, things like that. I'm glad you brought that up because it was one of the topics I wanted to talk about. I know we'll, I mean, we'll get into, uh, you know, new technologies that we have at schools and what, you know, things we would, are planning on getting. But I know a big part of it is the human element, right? Yes. You talk about that a little bit, why that's so important Certainly. and how it's different from other avenues of safety and security. Certainly. And, you know, safety and security has evolved qu- quite a bit and, and technology along with it. And there's nothing wrong with the, uh, technology, but we we have to be cautious of of gadgets and quick fixes on on what's going to protect us because at the end of the day it's not going to be a, a gadget it's not going to be a locked door um, it's not going to be any type of hardware what's going to protect us is uh, situational awareness our awareness of our surroundings looking out for one another and the communications piece of it so if somebody's concerned about uh, the behavior of a friend or, or a student, um, they have to know that they can, they can tell someone that. They, we, can, we can take that information. It's not an adversarial uh, situation. It's not that we're intending to lock kids up, lock people up for, um, for problems they may have, but to intervene the, the intervention is the piece, and that's the human piece that I think that mm-hmm. is so missing. And, and I think we've kind of conditioned ourselves and we've conditioned our kids out of that, that we, we look at it's somebody else's job. And I don't know how many times over the years I've heard people say, well, you know, you're with safety and security or uh, campus police. That you're, that's your job to keep us all safe. Well, it is, but it, it's also all of our jobs to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we, like I said, I think we've conditioned ourselves away from that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, with uh, all the distractions today in, in w- w- that are young, especially young people are dealing with, but even others. Um, I, I find myself walking down the halls here, you know, on, on my phone trying to text, and I'm not as agile as some of the kids, so I typically have to stop. But, I mean, even safety for, you know, walking out into traffic, you know, walking into a pole, 
those types of things. Mm-hmm. So um, that's taken away from that situational awareness that I think people uh, need to be. We don't need to be paranoid, yeah. but we have to be aware of what's going on around us. You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket and rely too much on technology right. or other people to right. do the job of uh, looking out for each other. You ever bumped into anybody looking at your phone through no. the hallways? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, now I, I understand you just returned recently from, and you know, correct the title of this, I'm just going to call it a, a National Safety and Security Convention type thing. What was it? What's it was it the National School Safety Conference. Okay. Where, where was that? That was in Orlando. Okay. Um, what did was, you, yeah, what, what was that experience like? What did you learn? It was, uh, it was interesting. There were over 900 people. Um, they, they, they tell us that there were uh, 49 states. The only one that wasn't there was Hawaii. We had folks from uh, a lot, a lot of folks from law enforcement. A lot of it was about half. It was about half from law enforcement, half from schools, and um, most of them were K-12 uh, schools, school districts, things like that. And uh, there, there, there was a lot of good information related to, uh, of course, unfortunately, we have to, that's what we talk about today, active shooters, but also um, other types of, of uh, um, responses and the prevention piece too, uh, what we can do to prevent um, these, these types of, of behaviors. And when we talk about uh, behaviors, you know, I don't want people to get this notion that we're, we're, our concern is only uh, active shooters or what we hear in the news is active shooters because uh, concerning behavior could be self-destructive behavior. It could be uh, suicidal behavior, things like that. And anything you, you took away from this conference that you plan on bringing back here to the school district and implementing? Um, surprisingly, we we learned from a lot of the speakers in the breakout sessions that we are actually doing a, a lot of what the, the 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 standards are today. Uh, when we talk about single points of entry, mm-hmm. uh, when we talk about like video entrances, when we talk about threat assessments, threat assessment teams, things like that. Um, so there was a lot that we we, we found. Now you're always going to get information from other other districts, other folks that, about how something can be done, and uh, there are a couple of things that I want to look at from a situation. For example, um, a, rip, a reporting type of a source, a way that that we can get students, especially, but also parents in the community, to report um, suspicious or concerning behavior to us. For example, you know the idea is is today that you know there's an app for everything. And they're, they're not always exactly maybe the best way of doing it, especially with kids, because again, we have to look at the technology that they're using. Um, and a kid today would much rather text something than sit and type a, you know, an anonymous report or something mm-hmm. like that. You mentioned single point of entry, and I know that's a big um, topic right now. Where do we stand? I know it's your goal, correct me if I'm wrong, but to have every school in our district have a, a single point of entry? Yes. And uh, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but a single point of entry means that you know, during the school day, there's only one way in and one way out of the building or one or one way in, right? Yes, right. N- normally the, the front door, the front entrance. Yes. Where do we stand right now on how many of our schools have that and where do you see us getting kind of um, time frame wise? Uh, there, there, and I don't know the percentage, but it's a very high percentage of our schools that have the single point of entry as far as um, um, driving uh, fencing or, or driving people to come into a certain entrance, for example, because all of our schools are, are surrounded by fencing, for example. So part of the single point of entry is that we have, everybody has to come in through, in, in this case, one particular point, you know, a gate or something like that. And then once inside that area, the single point of entry uh, gets defined a little further. And again, we talk about the, the target hardening of the school. So we don't want to have uh, a, a bunch of doors open. The, the, the protocol is that the, the doors remain open until school, the bell, last bell rings. Mm. Doors should be locked. This where we're at already, we've we've we're well underway of of the video entrances or 
Um, some people like to describe them as a, a like kind of a buzzer mm-hmm. that um, um, people come to the front door. There's a, a, a doorbell type of a situation. It has a camera. Somebody at the front desk can see who that is. They can ask for identification. Um, and they can communicate with this individual, whoever it might be, maybe a parent or a visitor or a vendor. Um, and then at that point, they can decide to, to let them in. And you have to show ID um, to get in yes. most of the time. Um, yes. I know they have that at South Fort Myers High School. We were just yes. out there yesterday, and they were demonstrating their video entrance buzzer system. Uh, it seemed to work great. Mm-hmm. And so how many of our – do you would you like to see that at every one of our schools? Oh, absolutely. That will be – that piece will, will be at all of our schools um, because, again, because our schools – range in age from built in the 40s till built a couple of months ago uh there, there there's a whole lot of infrastructure that we have we have to kind of work around um so it's not quite as easy as saying that you know we're gonna do this so um th- some of them are would be more costly than others to to do some of our campuses are open where we have a number of buildings that that uh are not necessarily connected other than maybe through a, a walkway or something like that. So um, that, that presents some, some challenges. But um, most of our schools are actually in the single point of entry as far as uh, the gates and things like that. Most of those have that. Uh, and by this year, we'll have the video entrances in all of the schools. Yeah, that's awesome. So every single one of our schools will have that. What kind of time frame are we looking at? Are they all going to have it? The, the video entrances will will be done this year. Awesome. Yep. Uh, in stages. I'm, I mean, you yes. can't do all of schools all at once. Right. You know? Because we're doing it internally for the mm-hmm. most part. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now, I um, at the school board meeting just a couple days ago, I, I think I heard that the district just hired three new zone security managers. Yes. What will their what's their responsibility? Well, our our safety and security department is is. Um, um, kind of unique in in the, in the sense that we have folks that do fire, what we call fire and safety inspections at every building every year, um, and they and and I have a couple of those folks, but I didn't have anyone that dealt with the security related concerns um, w- with each of the schools. Uh, for example, these individuals will interact more frequently with school resource officers at each of the schools. Um, they're also part of our training team when we start training our threat assessment teams. Um, some of them will be involved in training with uh, um, mental health awareness. Um, they will be instrumental, very instrumental in conducting the annual um, Florida Safe Schools assessments, risk assessments basically, and those we look at at maybe I, I not necessarily deficiencies but where we're at in um, security related things and and it's not just you know alarms cameras things like that it, it's going to look at fencing construction um, um, it, it looks at even the the um, en- environment the the uh, um, how the the campus is laid out, crime prevention through environmental design, for example. Um, so th- those risk assessments look at a lot of things, and then they look at at uh, even. I mean, they're they're pretty extensive. They they look at at uh, um, the numbers of times that law enforcement show up. Uh, we want law enforcement, fire service, EMS, all these folks to be part of this, and this these zone managers will will in fact coordinate that, um, work with these agencies to visit our schools and to offer their insight into uh, the security aspects also. And these zone managers, they do they have, um, do they come from a, a police background or how do you go about hiring uh, these The people? three, uh, they, they, they come from either uh, a law enforcement safe or safety background mm-hmm. And with, uh, w- w- and we want somebody that has some management skills. It's because they're not law enforcement, even though uh, two of them are former law enforcement. Um, they're they're managers in that sense that they're they're handling um, dealing with um, 
school principals, SROs, uh, they're kind of the, the, the liaison, if that's the, the right term. And they each have, so they each have their own zone. Yes. Their own set of schools that they oversee and assess, and then they report to you yes. their findings yes. and suggestions on how to make these schools safer. Yes. Cool. Now, is that different? I know you're you're forming or you have already formed uh, threat assessment teams. We are forming those. And are is that different than uh, the zone managers are part of that those the, teams? The zone managers will be part of it. We actually had our train the trainer Monday and Tuesday, and the zone the new zone managers were part of that. So what is what is train the trainer? We 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 as a district trained uh, twenty four people, and six of them were law enforcement trainers from the agencies that, that represent our school resource officers. And the rest of them were uh, safety and security folks, school psychologists, social workers, uh, school counselors. And they, they went through a two-day training, and this will allow them to go out and train our threat assessment teams. And it, each school has to have a team, and it would typically be comprised of a, a principal or an assistant principal, uh, the school resource officer, um, school counselor, and it could be school psychologist, school social worker, the zone security manager, but a core group of say uh, probably uh, four or five individuals that would would meet as a team when there's a concern over behavior, conduct, something like that, where there uh, there's a potential um, you know of, of a threat. And this team would then, we, we, these folks would train those teams and, uh, and also assist them, you know, in the, the uh, um, makeup of the team of the uh, business that they need to conduct. Because this is also new to Florida. This, is, this was just part of the statute, statutory uh, language that came out in, in March. Okay. And... You mentioned school resource officers, and we were, you know, lucky that the Lee County Sheriff's Office, you know, quick shout out, thank you, Lee County Sheriff's Office, for uh, providing school resource officers for all of our schools uh, last school year. And um, so where do we stand right now as far as this upcoming school year? Are all of our schools going to have a resource officer at every campus again this school year? Yes, yes. Um, This year will be a, a little bit different. We have instead of just the sheriff's office and and Sanibel had always always provided a school resource officer for their school there, uh, but this year we'll also have Cape Coral and Fort Myers City police uh, uh, providing school resource officers for those city schools. Cool, big thank you to those departments yes, as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, now I know you're also big on mental health training, and I heard you talking about a program, a prepare yes. program. Um, real quick, if we could quickly talk about you know why you think mental health training is so important and kind of what it involves and then maybe talk about this prepare program okay mental health awareness is important because again like the like i mentioned about reporting behavior suspicious behaviors and things like that and we've seen in a number of the violent incidents that have occurred uh, not all of them, but a number of them have been identified as, as potentially mental, having mental health problems, uh, or they could be developmental disorders, things like that. And I think we have to have folks understand, our, our staff, um, our, our safety and security, our teachers, um, to be aware of the um, potential problems that, that a student may be having. So, um, you know, it, it's not common necessarily for a school teacher to have a background in in uh, mental health or counseling and things like that. So this will give them um, some some training, some uh, information in those areas, what to look for, uh, what their concerns may be, and also to alleviate some concerns because that we, we don't want to stereotype that to say that just because somebody has a mental illness that they're, they're automatically dangerous because that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, so that awareness piece goes both ways, it, identifying uh, folks because of their behavior that they may be dangerous and also because of their behavior that they, they may not they likely be dangerous. This is just, you know, because of a mental illness or an emotional uh, problem or a developmental disorder. 
So who undergoes this mental health training? Well, the men, the mental health awareness, the, the idea is designed that we will train all of our staff, uh, in particular, starting with school teachers, uh, but we'll train all of our staff in mental health awareness. Uh, ideally, I mean, I, I would like to get it down to uh, every level of employee, whether that be custodial, maintenance, bus drivers, things like that, um, because they're going to see things too. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Bus drivers is a big one. Oh, it, it is. It's a huge one. The, the, those folks deal with kids every day, mm-hmm. uh, twice a day, and most they, often when they're when they might be at their rowdiest. Too. Yes, exactly. At the end of the day, school's over, winding down, coming home from school, and I know. That right. I, I think a lot of people don't appreciate enough the kind of things that bus drivers have what, to deal with. What they have to deal with, yeah. absolutely, and and they're dealing with with. Uh, maybe potential behavior problems while they're driving a bus. Yeah. So, so they, they, they are going to see things like bullying. Uh, they're going to see, um, maybe different types of behaviors that a student may be exhibiting, you know, that, uh, um, even, even potentially what, uh, um, what type of, uh, should they be bringing a weapon or things like that. And, uh, so they're, they're kind of our first line. Um, of defense in these kind of matters that are first eyes and ears dealing with students. So yes, they, we need to train the, those folks as well. So the, the training, is that is that the PREPARE program? PREPARE or? is, yes. It's, and I, I wrote it down. PREPARE is an acronym for prevent, reaffirm, evaluate, provide, and respond and examine. Yes. Tell me about this program. Well, it's 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 uh, we've actually started that that the train the trainer piece of that, and it's being coordinated more with the uh, um, the psychology and social work services folks here, the counseling folks here at, at the school district, uh, and because a, a lot of them have that background and are aware of this program, and Prepare has been around. It's, it was developed by. Uh, the National Association of School Psychologists. So again, it's evidence-based, science-based um, program, and it's gonna it's gonna do that piece of it. It's gonna the, the and again going back to the prevention, just like the threat assessment. Uh, this the 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 concept is to prevent problems, and as long as we can we can identify, we can intervene, uh, we can teach people, you know, that these aren't always dangerous behaviors uh, or, or people because of, you know, whatever problems they may be experiencing, but they may just need a little help. Mm-hmm. I want to quickly uh, circle back to something you mentioned earlier, the, the new legislation that went into effect in the state of Florida earlier this year. Can you maybe break that down quickly for maybe the people that are listening that aren't uh, aware of that or don't know all the details about this new legislation and, and how it affects schools mm-hmm. here in Florida it, it's uh, um, there are several key pieces of that legislation um, one being uh, a major one being that schools must provide for a what they call a safe school officer and, and basically the legislation broke it down to mean that it be a school resource officer uh, or a or, or two, basically two, a school resource officer or a guardian, mm-hmm. and a guardian being um, an armed school personnel that we would train an armed yeah. school personnel. And you, and the school district is implementing the school resource officers. Yes. And you prefer that I do. option. I do. Why is that? Well, I think, again, uh, the, the, the guardian program is training people with basically, when you look at the curriculum and what they're expecting, they're, they're training people in firearm safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, use of force when when and things like that but the school resource officers offer more to us in the sense that for those hours during the school year or school day those officers and it's it's not like a rotating service it's not like every day we're going to get a different officer it's not like they these folks uh, volunteer for these positions they're assigned to a particular school and for the most part they they spend a whole school year and some of them have been at the same school for a number of years and they get to know the kids. Um, and again, that goes back to my, what I said earlier about the prevention piece is communication. Um, they, they are going to be in a much better position to, to, uh, learn something, uh, deal with behavior before it becomes problematic. 
Um, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be just at school. Uh, there are a number of cases where school resource officers, not necessarily here, but all over the country, that have uh, intervened and, and found discovered cases of human trafficking, uh, of children that were being abused, uh, neglected, um, that, you know, they, they, these kids aren't being taken care of, they're, they're not being fed, uh, the, the drug use and different things that are going on in the home. So they, they're typically going to be dealing with a lot of issues with kids that have nothing to do necessarily with the school district, but it impacts the kids and their ability to, to learn. Um, and sometimes this is what we see uh, from a violence perspective that, that, that brings these kids back here uh, with, with some violent intent. Uh, it has maybe nothing to do with the school, but something that's happened in their life. The school resource officers add that, um, that component to it uh, that I don't think a guardian is because a guardian is typically um, an, an armed guard. He, that person would be a sentry. Um, and the school resource officers are dealing with uh, programming. They're, they're working with the kids in uh, different crime prevention related activities. They're assisting us in, in emergency drills and those types of situations. Were there any other uh, aspects of the new legislation that you wanted to mention? The, and we've talked about some of them. Um, the mental health awareness is a big one. And uh, the threat assessment, and I think those go hand in hand. Uh, I think those are, those are crucial because we mentioned about the, the, the hardware. We're not, we're only, we're, we're always going to be catching up with um, individuals that want to do harm to us by uh, the use of hardware technology because we're always one step behind where they're at. Whatever, whatever method we've figured out to protect kids, somebody's figured out a way around it. Even if you look at it from a technology standpoint, um, from the different the, the the different social media the social media apps and things like that, it's astounding when you see the the things that kids have been exposed to uh, on social media, and especially the the anonymous type of apps mm -hmm. over the years um, that have led to harassment, bullying, um, threats, and um, you know, as as soon as somebody gets a handle on it, there, there's a new one out there that that has figured out a way. To get around it, it's just such a such a different world that kids today are growing up in than even when I was growing up, not super long ago. But is this something that keeps you up at night? All these, or how would you kind of put into perspective this kind of new age of, especially technology, social media, smartphone usage by young students, and how it how it affects their lives and and your job it does and, and, and exactly it does um, you know you mentioned earlier about my background and uh, I, I've been around long enough to uh, to experience I, I can I can say a time when we had a, a crime called harassment by communication and it was somebody breathing heavily heavy into a phone <laughs> calling somebody on a phone anonymously mm -hmm. and that, this was back before you had caller ID and things like that even that's gone by the wayside, even though we have caller ID on cell phones, we know who's calling and things like that. But that that technology is, has evolved and it and it's changed. And uh, the, the social media aspect today is the anonymity, mm -hmm. the dangerousness of the anonymity that um, the kids don't know who they're dealing with. So we see we've seen the sexual predators. And ironically, it's amazing. We see these folks continue to do this. Um, knowing that um, somebody on the other line is likely an undercover police <laughs> officer. Yeah. Um, but the, the, that, that, that type of technology is what our kids are faced with today. Um, and instead of, you know, maybe a kid growing up, you know, in the past tw or 20 years ago where uh, we used to say that the, the, the television was raising their, the kid, today it's technology. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I see like elementary school kids with tele with, with, iPhones and, and smartphones and things like that. Um, I can speak even personally, my, my especially my oldest, but I have two grandsons that I see quite a bit. One's three and one's six, and they both know how to use my, my phone. They both know the passwords. They, uh, they can get into the iPad and things like that. Um, so when I see it even at that young age, what are they going to do when they're in middle school, when they're in high school? And, and 
um, the things that are available to them. Um, you know, it was scary. I heard somebody say one time that there's more tech, people have more technology in their phone today than maybe the first Gemini astronauts did in, in space. Wow. So we have more technology and the availability at our hands. But um, if it's not used for the right purposes, um, that, that can be dangerous. And I think this is a good uh, moment to bring back again and talk about staying aware of your surroundings and the, the human element of prevention because these this technology, these phones that everybody has, you know, you look around anywhere you go, everybody's looking down at their phones and that's part of what's preventing them from being aware of their yes. surroundings, right? Yes, absolutely. That's, that's, uh, I think that's critical. Um, the situational awareness and, you know, you, you said about keeping yourself, keeping me up at night and, and I, I look at awareness and, and the situational awareness and I, and I have to, I take myself, I try to step back from it to look at it because after 40 years in law enforcement, you have a different take on on looking people. I, I, I've referred to myself, I'm a professional people watcher, and uh, I, I do. So I'm watching and I see things that maybe other people wouldn't because they're not, they're just too involved. And and I'm not suggesting that, that people become little me's, <laughs> uh, I, and, uh, and I'm not paranoid, but you, you, you don't wanna be looking over your shoulder all the time, but you have to be aware of what's going on around you. Um, I used to use a video as a training aid, um, and a friend of mine worked in a department store in, in security, and he filmed, they, they captured a lot of uh, shoplifters and just kind of weird things on, on camera, and he, he filmed, it gave me some clips, and one in particular that I used to use, and I used to use it a lot talking to, to uh, especially women, especially young women, on awareness, yeah. and uh, it was a guy that was, and again, this is, I say BC before cell phones. Um, he was, this young lady was at a, at a counter, jewelry, perfume, I'm not sure. And uh, she's oblivious to, to what's going on around her. And this guy comes right up behind her and he's holding something in his hand. He's holding it low, below, you know, his waist. And um, he kept, he got up close to her and he's holding it and he back up. And then, I, then he got down like he was tying his shoe and he could see he was, had something and again this is the camera dating uh so it wasn't as clear as it would be today um but it turned out that this guy had a little mirror yeah i've heard about that and before. he he was you know today we the, the we call it upskirting with the phones yeah. but he was using a mirror mm -hmm. and this went on for several several minutes and this young lady never turned around mm. she never turned like this to say like what are you doing yeah. And, you know, we talk about, like, personal space and that arm length. Were there other people around? I there mean, were people that passed. There were people in this video that walked past. And, and, and they weren't. They obviously weren't exactly looking out for their fellow man either or paying attention at least. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, uh, you know, this guy's trying to look up your skirt. Um, no. And, uh, again, I just saw on the, on the news today there was a guy that I think somebody, uh, some People did, in this case, they did, in fact, grab him. It was a, at a, at a uh, Target store, I think. And this guy's upskirting, and, and there was a young lady, 15-year-old girl or something, and he would back up enough, and somebody recognized it and saw it, and they did. They grabbed this guy and held him until uh, the police got there and this guy was arrested. Okay. And so there, there are some, but it's just not enough. We, yeah. we don't have people aware enough. Switching gears, um, I wanted to mention, I, um, you know, coming up in November, we have the big referendum on the ballot, the half-cent sales tax, and I know that, you know, if it passes, a lot of the money generated by this would go towards safety and security upgrades. Yes. What can you tell me about kinds of things that you would use the money for and, and how they would benefit uh, the school district and our students? Um, you know, we mentioned the single point of entry, and that's still still things that we could harden. We could target harden. Um, I, I, I really think that we can always do a better job on uh, access control, managing doors. I mean, the days of, of locks and keys are going away, and today it's the days of, of smart cards uh, or, or those types of devices that are keeping doors locked. And ideally I'd like to see more of that and that would be what 
a lot of this money would be used for, for example, the access control, especially the older schools with a lot of different doors and, and entries. Along with that, the, um, the, the camera capabilities, the cameras have, have come a long way, but they still only have certain ranges that they can, we can cover a, a particular area. Our uh, technology folks here are on top of things with, um, they, they have a software uh, platform that can that they can actually put a um, floor plan down into the, into this software and it can identify where the best location for example for camera coverage so it can actually we can we can use this type of technology to place cameras instead of the old way of just walking around pointing to uh, corners of the of the room and in the and the, the floors to determine this so that can do it and then the the bigger part of that is the video analytics that go along with that and that type of technology I mean I saw recently where schools actually gonna gonna incorporate uh, facial recognition I, I don't think we're there mm -hmm. I don't think that we need that type of technology I don't know where who we would put into that database for example mm -hmm. that that we would uh, need that type of technology, but the video analytics kind of would like, be important, like artificial intelligence, yes. kind of. Yeah. Yes, where they, where a, a security camera can almost make a, a decision based on what it's picking up. That it's like th this matches some patterns of something that could turn dangerous, and then it would alert something unusual yeah. out of the, out of place. Yes, for example, and this technology has been around t to some extent for a long time. Um, you know, the camera, especially a, um, a, a camera that, that actually, and it can be a fixed camera or, or a pan tilt zoom camera, but it would, it would, it would capture an image of the, of a room, for example. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, uh, somebody comes in, sets a, a briefcase down, walks away. Now all of a sudden that camera picks that up and says, uh oh, there's, there's something here that wasn't here before. And so that analytic could alert someone that, that that there's a problem uh, I, we're seeing that type of technology in airports and, and other secure locations already uh, and it it's it's going to become affordable uh, more affordable for us in 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 our realm here and I think we're going to see that that will be a big thing and is am I wrong uh, Bonita Springs High School will have that Bonita Springs has some limited uh, capability with okay. that yes that that their their camera technology will can send alerts. The access control will, would allow us to send alerts, for example, with uh, door hold opens or uh, door alarms. And the cameras could pick that up as well. Uh, for example, if a door opens, a camera focuses on a particular door. So they're going to see who's coming in or who's going out. Um, the, the unusual activity uh, that analytics can be built into it. If somebody's carrying something bulky, mm -hmm. uh, something like that. Um, so that type of technology would be some of the things that we would use that, that money for. Um, and as I, just to reiterate, the access control is just Im so important. I want to talk about at South Fort Myers High School, the, the demonstration you guys gave yesterday, you and the principal, Ed Matthews, um, you we're showing us the red lock doors. Um, can you explain what those are? And is that something that you're trying to get at every school? I think you, right, yes. every every classroom door. Yes, right? every you classroom have that? door. So what are, what exactly are these red lock doors? It, I, I'm not not exactly sure where that that uh, term came from. It's a classroom security function. I think at one time because they had a little red knob on it. Um, it's a classroom security function lock, and this would allow a school teacher to lock their classroom from the inside. And the hazardous part was if there is some criminal activity, a, a, a shooter or something in a hallway, instead of going outside the door to, to be able to secure it, they can, lock the they can lock the door from the inside and they can keep folks um, secure from the inside without going out into the hallway. Um, probably two th better than two-thirds of our school's classrooms already have that. And eventually, will all they all will? Yes. Cool. And now I know. So we've been talking a lot about all these new security measures, all this new technology that um, you know we want to implement and plan on implementing. But I know that you're also big on not turning schools into prisons or prison-like atmospheres. Yes. And because I know we we have a lot of parents that would like to see 
metal detectors at every school before you know every student has to go through one of those before they come in the school um is that in your opinion where you kind of get to the point where it's becoming more prison-like or um well what, what your what's your philosophy on i don't I, think anybody it, or i don't want to speak for everybody but you know you we don't, we don't want to get to a point where schools are like prisons right right and I'm not an educator, but I've worked around them for so many years and talking to them and understand that um, to be a conducive learning environment, we can't turn our, our schools into prisons. If, 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 a, if a kid has to come to school and go through scanners and metal detectors, um, it, it's not, it, truthfully, in, in some of the research that I've seen, some of the studies that I've seen, it actually has the, the, the adverse effect that these kids feel that I'm really not in a secure place because I have to go through all these steps. I've seen also uh, uh, some, some case studies and, and some information where cases where, for example, where metal detectors were used, uh, it, it did not prevent. I mean, if you look at it, look at a prison, there's folks that have weapons and drugs in, that, in, in prisons, and everybody that goes in there is searched, mm -hmm. uh, uh, supposedly. Um, so again, a metal detector, um, you, you know, in, in that sense, is it going to stop? Yes, but there, then there's so many other things, ways you have mm -hmm. to look at it. Um, is that building going to be secure 24-7 with a metal detector? Um, are, are we going to uh, secure our outer perimeter? So it, yeah. as soon as we figured out a way of, of protecting using that type of technology, somebody's already figured out a way to get around yeah, it. Yeah, and I don't want to you know focus too much on just the metal detector aspect of it, but kind of just more generally about um, you know why it's important for kids to feel safe at school, but, you know, as you mentioned, uh, uh, con an environment conducive to learning as yes, well. Right. And, and again, um, you know, I, I, I remember dealing with a, um, a situation where we, we, we cr had campus police and we had some administrators and things felt, well, uh, th we don't need this. Th people don't want to see armed people on our campuses. Well, our kids, for the most part, have seen school resource officers for probably nearly 20 years mm -hmm. um, and maybe in some cases longer. It, it's not unusual. Yeah. They see these folks uh, out on the street. I personally loved seeing mine at school yes, when I was in school. absolutely. Now, you could add other dimensions, you know, as to uh, is, is just the armed police officer, uh, is, is that a, a threatening presence? I, I don't think so. Uh, but when we start adding those kinds of scanners and checkpoints, um, that hardening, um, you know, fencing is not is not making it look like a prison, um, but fencing keeps out the people that want to be kept out, because mm -hmm. if not, they could climb a fence. Yeah. Um, but we don't want our we don't want our, our our schools turned into into prisons. I just don't think that it's conducive to uh, learning. I don't think kids would want to go there. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else? Uh, we're getting near the end here. Is anything else exciting that you and your team are working on that maybe we haven't gotten to yet in this discussion that you wanted to mention? Well, I think that some of the things that I spoke about, um, because they are so new, it's it's a uh, it's going to be a learning process. Mm -hmm. It's going to be an evolving process, um, and it's not all going to come right away. Um, but I but I just want to stress um, more than anything that the, the best hope we have in protecting our kids today is not the technology, it's gonna be the prevention. And if we look at it as like the 80-20 type rule, the 80% of what we do should be on the prevention aspect and 20% should be on the response or the hardware kind of thing. Um, I think parents like to hear, I spoke last night uh, at a church, and parents like to hear that, that we're not all about like um, prosecuting kids and arresting kids and they like to hear that that's what the, the SROs are all about too um, and I think that's important and I think that's where we're, where we're at um, uh, but it, it's, it's still it's going to be uh, a time of change for some folks because some of the programs that we're implementing are all new they're all new to, to schools and are all new to Florida real quick I know first day of school is right around the corner 
uh, August 10th. What's what's your uh, plan for the first day of school? Are you going to be out visiting schools? What, what are you going to be doing? I, I will. And, and fortunately, now I have the three zone managers. Um, the three zone managers are our coordinator and even our two fire inspectors, they will they will be out. Uh, we'll have them in in each of the zones. Uh, should there be problems and this, the, the district does a good job with it because they have uh, folks that are related to maintenance to uh, transportation um, and being the districts in three zones it makes it a little more manageable but yes we will we will be out with all of those folks as well uh, and real quick before I let you go a little bit a little bit more about yourself uh, I know so you come from a law enforcement family right but you also have some educators in your family as well I do so you've got your now you're kind of you're best of both worlds law enforcement and now you're in the school uh, while well, you were with Florida Southwestern as well but you have you have three children yes right you have two sons they live here in Southwest Florida yes one is a professor you said he is a professor as of this week awesome um, working for FGCU what does he teach? He teaches uh, educational leadership, um, and he's worked for for. Uh, he actually started as a school teacher here, in, in the Lee County in, School in District. County school District. Where, did, where? Which school? Um, he taught music at. Oh, I'm trying to think of the elementary school that he putting you on the spot here. Taught at yes. <laughs> There's um, a lot of schools here. He. Uh, and he worked here in the district office for a time when he was finishing his master's degree. Um, you mind if I ask his name? His name's Chris Parfit. Cool. Maybe some people out there may have yep. had him as a teacher or something. Yep. Uh, and your other son is a chef? My other son is a professional chef. He's a um, trained, uh, educated chef. He went to school um, for culinary arts mm -hmm. and, and things like that. And he works at a, um, a newer community in Naples. Um, Greyhawk is, uh, is was the name of the place, but it's a brand new. It's upcoming. a restaurant. No, it's a, oh. I, it's oh, a community, a, a country club okay. community. And my daughter lives in Southern California, and she works for the University of California system, education system. Nice. What does she do? She works. Uh, she she has an MBA. She works in the school of business for University of California Riverside. Very cool. And um, married? Married yeah. for, uh, I'm trying to think, yeah, how <laughs> oh, many no. years now? Oh, okay. You got it. Uh, better than 35 years. My my yes. son's 35, so, way older. so uh, better than 35 years I've been married. Um, and my wife's originally from Pennsylvania as well. Cool. All right. Well, we're very happy to have you here at the school district of Lee County. And um, thank you again for agreeing to be our first guest for this new podcast Thank that you. we're trying out here. And I think it was a good discussion, uh, very interesting topics, wide range of things we talked about. Yes. And yeah, thank you again. And for everybody out there who took the time to listen, thank you very much. And uh, we'll keep you updated on our next episode. Thank Thanks. you.